0: If you have your Bibles now, we are going to turn to the passage that Al read from here in Ephesians chapter 1, so if you turn there, Ephesians chapter 1, that's page 976, if you'd like to use the Bible prepared for you, and I know that we're praying for folks with all the sickness that's going on in our uh, community, and also uh, people here in our church, a lot of them cannot be with us, or they're taking care of loved ones, so let's make sure that we keep them on our hearts today, and, and pray for them, and and uh, for full recovery. But uh, this morning we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. We'll also be looking at some other passages of scripture and encourage you to have your Bible ready there. Now while you've turned there, I want to say one thing that you'll see next Sunday in your uh, bulletin. and You're going to be seeing it every Sunday afterward as uh, a new a version of the connection card. Now we've been keeping these in the Uh, back pocket of the seats, and we've been using them for our guests. It's really been a guest card. But while we've had this emphasis on being the church by the book, we've been Uh, Very much thinking as pastors, how can we be the most welcoming that we can be to people that come to be our guest here? Uh, How can we uh, be united in helping people share their prayer requests, share comments or information that we need to better shepherd them? Uh, How uh, can we do a better job of shepherding people and knowing about their needs? And one way we really believe that uh, we should do is use this connection card for everyone who comes on Sunday morning. So you'll see that there's two sides to it. One side says uh, uh, welcome guest and we'll be having our guest fill out that side. And uh, as we usually done on the other side, it says, welcome back to worship, welcome back to worship. And that's going to be for all of us who are regular attenders here. And this is going to help us to be able to share in one way prayer requests, registrations. Our updates on information also help us as a congregation to uh, to be united so we as a, a church pastors can be shepherding the best way possible I want you to notice there even even has something called a QR code on there I didn't know about that and that's for all of you You just want to be a little techie get your device out and you just take a little a shot of that and that'll take care of it as well and you don't have to do a lot, but that is going to go such a long, long ways, more than you can possibly imagine. Don't want it to seem to be a distraction or busy work, but by using this, it's going to help us uh, welcome people so that our guests feel like they're a part of us and not uh, doing something someone else is not doing. But it's also going to help us to be unified in sharing communication through this card, uh, sharing prayer requests. And so next Sunday, you'll notice that we'll begin asking you to fill out one of these for every, uh, everyone that's in attendance or someone who's in the family can fill it out for everyone. That'll be fine. Uh, but that'll be very, very helpful. And I want to thank you in, in advance for uh, helping us with that. So that'll start next Sunday. Now here we are, Ephesians chapter 1. And for uh, these first several weeks uh, of this new year, we've been focused on a series that we call Church by the Book, Church by the Book, and we're concluding uh, that series this morning, and I hope uh, through this series that you've been renewed as I have uh, in an understanding of just how important the church is. You know, the church is a really big deal to God. You understand that? It really is. I love what David Platt, the pastor and author, he's also a director of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, now pastoring a large church in Washington, D.C. David Platt said, when it comes to the mission of God on this earth, the church is plan A, there is no plan B. The church is plan A. There is no plan B. God's plan on the earth for his mission, for his purposes being carried out and reaching the ends of the earth and caring for people is the church. Plan A, no plan B. The church is a big deal. And how beautiful the church is. Love, many years ago, that song came out, How Beautiful the Body of Christ. And I've seen it with my own eyes these last few weeks. Of every variety, of every color, every culture that you can imagine, but I want to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is beautiful. It's beautiful. In all the multi-varied forms, it is beautiful. How beautiful is the church. And how unified the church is. When it does, church carries out its mission by the book. When we follow the Lord, there is unity. And again, this past uh, few weeks while I was away, I experienced this in a very unique way. You know, I was invited to speak at this conference that was being held in Chiang Rai, Thailand. And I was asked uh, to speak. Uh, three times at the 25th anniversary of GAP, one of our partners, Global Access Partners, which helps churches unite in partnerships around the world. And so the director of that, the founder of that, uh, George Collins, who's a friend of mine, asked me to speak uh, three times if I would, and that was over a year ago. I said, yes, I would. And then a few months ago, that expanded to four times, and I said, that's fine, then a couple of weeks before I left, that was five times. I said, that'll be fine. But you know, we were going by India to see our partners there just to see what was happening and just rejoice in that. And about six days before we left, <laughs> the leader asked me if I could speak five times, <laughs> five times. Okay, now this is six days before we leave. And so he wanted me to speak to the church planters that they have there in that region. And I said, okay, I'll be glad to do that. And I'm wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Uh, you know, lots to get ready just to get, get, get out of Dodge. You know what I'm saying? And let alone now five more times. And the thought came to me, why don't you just talk to them about what you're talking about at the church? Church by the book. So I want you to know, for three hours each day, for three days, I met with these church planters in the basement of a dingy building in northern India. And we had a time of just going through church by the book, and those men were so delighted, so grateful. We had the best time. And you would have thought that I was standing, talking in Knoxville, Tennessee, just as grateful as you are. I always hear, hear whatever I've got to say. And they, they were so, they were so encouraged and they, they, they wrote me a thank you. Each one of them hand wrote a note and added this. And they said, Pastor Sam, thank you so much. And they said it in very ways for coming and helping us as young pastors know what it means to lead the church by the book. I want to tell you, friends, God's way is the best way. And what works in America but doesn't work in India is not out of the book, right? Whatever is of God works in any age, any generation, any country, any time zone. What is of God works. And that's what I discovered afresh and new. And that's what we're talking about church by the book. The church does not need to reinvent itself and become something new. I'll tell you what the church in America needs more than anything else is to become something old. To go back to the ancient paths of God which are ever new. Because what God writes is written for past, present, and future. Right? You can't get more up to date than the word of God. And so let's dive in this morning as we just summarize the vision here. That's what I want to do. Let's summarize the vision of what we're talking about for us as a church about being more and more a church by the book. Now, when I say vision, that has to do with our 2020 vision. remind you again that why we are having this series is because of the strategic ministry focus that we have as a church here at West Park. Three aspects of that. First of all was the Cedarbrook Outreach Ministry. How can we more and more effectively reach our Jerusalem? And we've developed this mission ministry, Cedarbrook. And God is doing great things, amazing things through that. And you'll be hearing more about that. But then we're also talking about our church campus and how can we maximize this campus for the glory of God? And what should come next? And the church has led, been led uh, into adopting a master plan. The first phase of that to be the building of a new family wing uh, over uh, to this side. And Lord willing, uh, just a few weeks from uh, today, 31st of March, Uh, We'll be having groundbreaking for that in a very special service on March 31st. So we're excited about that. But the other aspect of the 2020 vision, not just our community and our campus, but us as a congregation. Because, folks, we have to remember that the church is not buildings. The church is people, right? If we did not have a building, we'd still be West Park Baptist Church. You know that? We'd still be who we are. And so the church is people. And we want to be a church as much as possible... ...aligned on the Word of God... ...in terms of our orthodoxy... ...that is, right doctrine... ...right doctrine... ...but also in terms of our orthopraxy. That's a new word for many of us. Orthopraxy means right practice. Orthodoxy, right belief, right doctrine. Orthopraxy right practice and friends orthopraxy flows out of orthodoxy orthopraxy flows out of orthodoxy because you see this book that we have here not only tells us what we believe but it also tells us what we're to do you believe that this is our guide for faith and practice faith and practice and I want to tell you with all my heart I tell you humbly, but I tell you I knowing it's true that one of the biggest problems we have in evangelical Christianity today is churches that are saying they believe the book. They say they believe the book, but they don't practice the book. And it's not what we say, but it's what we do that shows the reality of our faith. And so we want to be a church by God's grace We want to be a church that more and more is a church with, yes, right teaching, but also right practice. And so we want to summarize what we've been talking about these last few weeks. And let's do that right now. We begin here in Ephesians chapter 1. And let's just begin with a couple of questions, all right? Big questions give big answers. And so the big question, first of all, is what is the church? What is the church? Why are we even here today? What is the church? Well, Al read this passage. Notice verses 22 and 23. It says of the Lord Jesus, and he put all things under his feet. That is, God put all things under his, Jesus' feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Why would the church be called the body of Christ? Because like no other image, the body and the head gives the image of the incredible perfect union. That exists between a saving God and the people he has saved. That's the reason the church is called the body. Jesus is the head. He is our saving God. And we are united to him. We are united to him in his body. And we have become his church. That's what the church is. It is the union of a saving God with the people he has saved. So that's what the church is. Now, second question, where does the church exist then? Where does the church exist? You can't see all the church at any time. A good portion of the church isn't on earth anymore. It's up in heaven. It's the church triumphant, as the theologians call it. But now there's a church on the earth and theologians call that the church militant going forth with the message of the gospel. But you can't see the church, all the church at t- any time. So where is the visible manifestation of the church? It's in local congregations. Look here, you're in Ephesians chapter 1. Would you look at verses 1 and 2 with me please? Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul's going to write a letter about the church and that's what Ephesians is. It's a letter about the church of Jesus Christ. But notice he doesn't address it to the worldwide body of christ he doesn't address it to the mystical invisible believers that exist somewhere someplace he says no i'm writing to the saints who are in what ephesus i'm writing to you in ephesus the church exists in local congregations real people like me and you, real people who are not practically perfect people. We're not even close, right? But we're here, and we love Jesus, and we are who he says we are, right? And we're child, children of God, and we're gathered under his banner of love. We are the church. That's where the church exists. It exists in local congregations. That's the reason over 95% of the time that the Bible refers to the church is talking about local congregations. We are the visible manifestation of the body of Christ as we gather in local bodies. Now, how are these churches to function? That's the next question. The what, the body of Christ, where, local congregations. How are we to function well that's where we come to this church by the book emphasis this is where we talk about orthopraxy and so let me just make if I might here now quickly these summarizing statements these summarizing statements of the very foundation of what we believe it means to be a church and what we are going to do at West Park to more fully align on what the Bible teaches about being the church. And here's how I'd like you to remember it. Number one, 2020 vision that West Park Baptist Church will be number one, Jesus ruled. Jesus ruled. Don't you like that? Jesus ruled. Why? Because verse 22, he is the head. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. West Park Baptist Church is his church. It's no one else's church. It's his church. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build what? The next word? My church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. How did he purchase the church? By his own precious blood. The Bible says that the church, which is a gathering of believers in Christ, has been purchased by his own blood. It's his church. He's purchased the church. And as a church, Jesus is to have our total allegiance. And my friends, that is what we want to make sure is true at West Park Baptist Church. That Jesus will have our total allegiance. We have given our hearts to Christ. He is our Savior, our Master. Our allegiance is to Him. Him alone. And honoring Jesus is our purpose and our privilege. That's the reason we exist. We exist... To honor Jesus, to know him, and to make him known. And our allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ above all. A local church is to be Jesus ruled. Jesus ruled. Secondly, 2020 Vision West Park Baptist Church will be Jesus-ruled and West Park Baptist Church will be elder-led. It will be elder-led. Now, Jesus has established how he wants his churches to be led, and he's established by whom he wants his churches to be led. Now, the key word there, friend, listen carefully, we'll make sure you hear it, led-led. Not ruled. A church is not elder ruled. Because who's the ruler of the church? (laughs) Jesus. Jesus ruled. So a church is Jesus ruled. But according to the Bible, it is to be elder led. It is to be led by elders. Now the last time I spoke, I shared with you about what the Bible has to say About elders. And so we'll review here a little bit as we go on. I shared with you about the role of elders. The role of elders. And we take that from many passages. But it's first mentioned in Acts chapter 14 verse 23. In Acts 14 verse 23. It says of Saul and Barnabas. As they were establishing those churches on the first missionary journey. It says, and when they had appointed elders, plural, for every church, singular, in every city. This is every church where they went. As they planted churches in these cities, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So here we have the first mention. Churches, gatherings of disciples... And they are under the rule of the Lord, but they are being led by men who are called elders. Elders doesn't mean that they're necessarily old chronologically. The word elder means a man of character. It means someone who has proven character. And it means a man who has proven competency. An elder was someone who took the word of God and explained it to the people in the cities or the villages. And also the people would come for advice in settling of disputes in Jewish times. They would come to the elders in the gate. And these men of character and men of competency would Apply the word of God in making decisions. That's where the idea of elders comes from. Now these elders, notice, are more than one. This is so important to see. It says they appointed elders, plural, in every church. A church is not to be led. It's not God's plan for a church to be led by just one man. There might be one person who's the primary teacher, but that the church is being led by more than one. We're not told how many, but a plurality of elders are to oversee and care for the church. That's the role of the elders. Now look at 1 uh, first, uh, first Peter, if you would. I want you to turn to 1 Peter, that's page 1016, if you would. First Peter chapter 5 And let's look at the responsibility of elders, the responsibilities of elders. What are their responsibilities? In this passage, we've been to it, but we need to come to it again and again as we think about being a church by the book. Here is Peter writing to churches in Asia Minor, and he is speaking to the elders of the church and then to the people of the church about their relationship. And here, he says to the elders, is your responsibility. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Are you there? So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising Oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, not for money, our elders, to do this, but eagerly. Not domineering, and the word domineering there is a word for dictator, a despot. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you, you elders, will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now notice here, what are the responsibilities of elders? We're talking about West Park being a church led by elders. What are the responsibilities of elders? Elders are to, first of all, guide the flock. They guide the flock. And how do they do that? And they guide by feeding the flock. See what it says? Shepherd the flock. Verse number 2. You elders, be shepherding the flock. The word shepherding there is a word for pastor. Be pastoring the flock. And it has specifically to do with feeding the flock the word of God. That's the reason an elder has to have as one of his qualifications the ability to teach the Word of God effectively because his primary role is shepherding, which is feeding the flock the Word of God. That's what the elders do. Number two, they guide the flock, elders, not just by feeding, but by leading. They are to exercise oversight. Exercise oversight. We get our word bishop from that, episcopeo. It means to oversee the work of the Lord. To feed the flock and to lead the flock as servant leaders. That's what elders are to do. They guide the flock. And then elders have a very, very serious responsibility. And it is not an easy one, I'll tell you that. It is to guard the flock. It is to guard the flock. And I want you to turn now, if you would, again to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, which is page 930. And Paul is writing to the elders at Ephesus. He spent three years there. And he is so concerned for them. He knows he's not going to see them again. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he knows that chains await him. And he calls these elders out to this spot called Miletus. And he speaks with them. Here's a challenge he gives to them in Acts chapter 20. He says to the elders, beginning in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. First, shepherd your own heart. Pastor your own life. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the same word used by Peter, overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now notice, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock and from among your own selves that is from coming up among the elders themselves will arise men speaking twisted things in order to draw away the disciples after them he's saying you have the elders have to guard against what Satan's infiltration. Satan's infiltration. Satan wants to sow the wheat. in the wheat. He wants to sow the tares. He wants to mix the leaven in with the pure lump of God's people, the kingdom. He wants to bring in his people who appear to be pastors. They appear to be fellow sheep, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. How is a wolf to be known? He says to the elders, you will know the wolf when he teaches twisted things. He doesn't teach what the Bible says. He takes the Bible and twists it some So that people will be drawn after him. That is the danger. That the church will be divided by those who are not truly sheep. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And the elders have the responsibility to make sure that what is taught in the church is the word of God. Friends, I want you to know that's the reason it's not an easy thing to become a teacher here at West Park. It's not an easy thing to become a leader of a group. We don't just take a a pulse and a blood pressure and say, you're clear. It doesn't work that way. We want to make sure that the person who is standing up and sharing the word of God, whether that is being shared to boys and girls or is being shared to adults, we want to make sure we're careful that the word of God is being taught. Because terrible, terrible, disastrous Damage can come when the Word of God is not taught, right? That's the role of the elders and the responsibilities of the elders. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 now. Hebrews chapter 13. I know that I'm throwing a lot at you, but I've been gone for three weeks, okay? So Hebrews chapter 13, turn to page 1009. And you might be saying, Sam, didn't you say everything out of Hebrews that you meant to say last year? And... uh You know, you could take a long time and not scratch the surface of Hebrews. How many have found that out, right? But Hebrews chapter 13. What is the relationship of the elders with the congregation? We looked at the role of the elders. We looked at the responsibility of the elders. Now, what's the relationship of the elders with the congregation? What should that relationship be? Listen to the... Scripture, verse 7, chapter 13. He says to these believers in that first century, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember your lead- leaders means to recognize them, to affirm, to Place yourself in a position of honoring those leaders. Why? Because they are teaching the word of God. And consider the outcome of their way of life. Listen to what they say and watch the way they live. It will be helpful to you. That's what the first relationship is. Then notice at verse 17. He says here, again, verse 17... As he talks about the responsibility, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Notice the two words here, the congregation is to obey their elders. Why? Because of their teaching. They're teaching the word of God. You don't obey them because of who they are as a person, but for what their calling is and what they're sharing. Their authority is the Word of God that they're sharing. That goes back to verse 7. They're teaching you the Word of God. So as you obey them, you're obeying the Lord as they teach the Word. Obey your elders and submit to their authority. That means put yourself underneath their shepherding. Don't don't be running away. Uh, Don't be going out on your own. Let someone who's been called to that... Have a responsibility to care for you because their authority has been given to them by the Lord. And they are keeping watch over your souls. That's the same word that talks about the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night the night Jesus was born. This is the same word. Shepherds, that is the elders, they are keeping watch, shepherding your souls. And they've got to stand before the Lord someday and give an account. And what an awesome responsibility I can tell you that is to rest on any man's shoulders. To know that you must stand one day and give an account for those souls that were under your care and charge. That is an incredible and dreadful responsibility. Now friends, let me tell you something. What I've just read you, listen carefully. Those are not words of a convenient relationship. Those are words of a covenant relationship. It's not a convenient relationship. Hey, take it, leave it. This church has got this good. Oh, I like that preacher. You know, they got, I like the worship over here. You know, that's what that means. Well, I go to that church over there. They got great, reach, they got great worship. You know what that means? Well, the preacher's terrible. That's what that means. <laughs> oh, my kids like it over here. Now, my kids are happy over here, so we'll go over there. Yeah, that's great. Let your seven-year-old become the patriarch of the family. Where does God want you, mom and dad? Where does God want your family? And when you come into that relationship with that church and those elders, that is a covenant relationship. That's the reason everyone who becomes part of West Park enters in by their pledge to a covenant relationship. Because this is what the Bible says. Teaches. This is not a take-it-or-leave-it convenience. This has to do with covenant relationship as the family of Christ. Amen? Now, that's what the church is. The question is, is that what we want? Is that what you want? I know and believe truly that it is. The 2020 vision. The church will be Jesus-ruled, elder-led, deacons serve. deacons served. Now, you can turn to Acts chapter 6. I won't read that passage because of our our time here. But the deacons are to serve the church. And I want to tell you, over the years, I have heard more horror stories about pastor-deacon relationships. I mean, I've heard them without end, and they have been dreadful at times. And I want to tell you, listen carefully. I stand before you this morning as pastor for 32 years. And I thank God for the wonderful relationship I've had with our pastors and our pastors have had with our deacons over the years. It's been a wonderful relationship. And I thank God for our deacons. Men of of character and men of desire to serve. It has been a blessing. But let me tell you one reason why. Can I just tell you one reason why? And I tell you this humbly, but I believe it helped a lot. When I came here 32 years ago, I came from a church where the deacons were just the most successful businessmen in town. Now, it was a great church, and they were converted, most of them, I think. But they, they're business guys, and everything was about business. And I i just—I tell you, I, had, I don't know. I just struggled with it. So I came down here. Now, I'm a pastor of a church. And so I have my first deacons meeting I've ever led. Seven men got together. We got together on Saturday, as I recall. No, maybe it's a Tuesday night until some of them started falling asleep and we went to Saturday. Okay. Um, I remember I brought an agenda and some of them laughed, said this is the first agenda we ever had. And then I gave homework. The Lord put this on my heart and here's what I did. I said, men, we're going to meet next week, but here's what we're going to do. I want you to look up every verse in the New Testament that has to do with deacons and every verse in the New Testament that has to do with pastors or elders. That's what I want you to do. Just look them up, look at them, and let's get back and study on them. And so the next Saturday, we came together our homework. And we had a a board in there to write on. I say, okay, what's it say about deacons? And they started giving me information. We wrote that down. What's it say about pastors and elders? And they gave me that information. We got the whole thing done. And here's what I said. Okay, men, got an idea. How about we do that? (laughs) How about we do that? And they said, that is exactly what we ought to do. And that's what we've done over the years. Because I want to tell you, friends, when you do it by the book, that's the blessed way. That's the happy way. And the relationship we have with our uh, deacons here is so wonderful. They serve this church. They minister to the church just like in Acts 6, those first deacons did. Making sure people are cared for. They minister the church. They minister to the ministers because the pastors can't do it all. And friends, hear this as well. Let me tell you, the pastors aren't expected to do it all. It is not right to expect pastors to be able to do every single thing that has to do with ministry. No group of men are up to that. But as men of the Lord and the teams that they lead are serving together, we are able to care for this body of believers we call West Park. And it's a beautiful thing. It's what God has ordained. And that is the role of deacons. Deacon, this church will be deacon served. Jesus ruled, elder led, deacon served. Can I give you one more? Congregationally accountable. Congregationally accountable. I want you to look at one last passage. And that's Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. Would you turn there please? I'm waiting to list for verses. I'm looking for, listen for paper to turn here, folks. Okay, all right. Matthew 18. And I want you to see what the Lord said about his authority. Where does the authority of the Lord reside? Where does it reside? Does the authority of the Lord, it's all his authority. Matthew 28, he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. In heaven and earth what Jesus said Matthew 28 but where has he given the authority to speak on his behalf and to lead the church where is that authority ultimately vested well I want you to notice here in Matthew 18 in many other passages here's how it's shared Matthew 18 verse 15 if your brother sins against you and you tell him his fault between you and him alone If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others with you, that every charge may be established in the on the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the next word? Church. This is the second time the word church is used in the New Testament. First time is Matthew 16. Tell it to the church. Don't tell it to the internet. Don't tell it to Facebook. Go to the church about this. And if he will not listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, as a tax collector. Don't recognize him or her as having fellowship standing in the communion of the believers. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Future perfect. That's the literal translation. Whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing. This is forbidden, bound, loosed. This is free. This is release. And I say to you, if two or three of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done of them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Now, notice the authority of the church. He doesn't say, Tell it to the apostle. He doesn't say, Tell it to one person. Tell it to the Pope. He doesn't say, Tell it to the denomination. He doesn't say tell it to any organization. He doesn't even say ultimately the authority is don't tell it to the elders. That's not the ultimate authority, even the elders. It is to be brought before the church. And the church is the one that has the authority to say on earth what God says from heaven. That's the authority. It's not the authority of the church to make up (laughs) new teaching. It's the authority of the church... To say on earth what God says from heaven. Right? Right church? Our message needs to be. Thus says the Lord. And when we have to apply it to a situation. When we have to apply it to something in our culture. When we have to apply it to an individual. Nobody is above the book. Nobody is above the book. And the goal is always for reconciliation. Now, friends, let me tell you something. The church is about people. It's about caring for people. And the Lord's orthopraxy is about how we're to do it. But let me ask you, do you know what the first question any human being asks in the Bible? Do you know what it is? The first question any human being asks in the Bible is this question. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? That's what Cain asked the Lord. Am I my brother's keeper? And you know what the answer to that question is? Yes. We are our brother's keeper. And the great responsibility of the church and one of the most important ministries of the church is for us as a church to care for one another to minister to needs, to help one another, to encourage one another, and yes, when necessary, to reprove and rebuke one another that we might walk in the ways of the Lord. This is one of the key things of the church. We are our brothers and sisters keepers. And it's in the church that the Lord wants this to be accomplished. I remember 30 years ago, a Bible teacher He's now with the Lord, came to do a little Bible conference here at West Park. We just moved into the first auditorium up front here. And here's what he said when the conference was done. He took me right over there. He said, Sam, I want to tell you something. There's a loving spirit in this church. And hurting people are going to be attracted. Get ready for them. (laughs) My, what a word of prophecy he spoke. And you know what I want to say 30 years later? Thank God I know and I believe there's a loving spirit in this church. And I want to tell you what I say. Lord, bring those hurting people, right? Bring them here. Beat up, messed up, whatever the condition, hung up. Come join us. We're not so hot ourselves. And we'll do everything we can by the grace of God to lead people to know they have friends, they have family. And we do this because we do it in the name of Jesus and because of his word that he's given us. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over these dear folks. And I pray now that if there's anyone here that needs help in any way this morning or prayer, I pray, Lord, they'll stay for that prayer. We bring this service to this conclusion, Lord, but I pray your word will rest upon us. And I ask now, Father, that you will send us out with the love of God in our hearts. Give us love for each other, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for what you've done here. And Lord, we pray that the best is yet to come. Lord, give us one heart, one soul, one mind laboring together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, deliver us from spirit of judgmentalism, legalism. Oh God, make this a place of healing, a place, an oasis where people come and your spirit moves through your word in the hearts of your people and lives are healed and restored, oh God, we ask this. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be faithful to your word. Lord, the day is dark and the pressure is great, and we're out of step with the world, Lord, just as you were, but help us to follow you, Jesus. Help us to take up our cross. Help us to be loving, but help us to be bold and say in love, this is what God said. Help us to be a light, we pray, in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. Amen.